my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Nicole Hoadley. How are you, Nicole? I'm doing great. How are you, Dr. Greenwood? Oh, it's so great to see you. I'm doing wonderful. You don't have to call me Dr. Greenwood anymore, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, appreci- I appreciate that. Um, I-, I know I remember when I was in um, school and then, and then I graduated, I-, I could not get used to calling people by their first names any longer. You know, you get acclimated uh, to the doctor or professor or whatever, but, uh, but it's so great to see you. Nicole is a 2018 graduate of our program, yep. and she is currently the director of account strategy for rocket fuel labs and yeah. we'll get to hear all about what rocket fuel labs is it's not what you think um and uh but uh but we'll we'll get there because she's doing some really exciting work and um she's had a, an awesome career thus far um that i'm excited to talk to her about um but nicole let's talk about where you're from you, you let me know that you're sitting there at your parents house uh for the podcast so where where are you from originally I am at my parents' place right now. We're headed up to Tahoe this evening. Oh, um, awesome. So yeah, I, I currently live in San Diego right now, but we flew up for the week and are spending some time up here. Nice. But I, so I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area. Yeah. I was born in a town called Los Gatos and uh, then we live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, <laughs> we live. There's lots of Cal Poly grads that live in that area in the yeah. Bay area in general, but yeah. So when I was six, we actually moved to France. Um, so yeah, my dad took us over there for his job and his career. Uh-huh. And that was a really cool adventure. We lived, we, so we moved when I was six, my brother and sister are twins and they were four. Uh-huh. So we jumped into, I was in first grade and they were in kindergarten when we moved yeah. over there. And we lived there for about four years. And then we moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area to Mm -hmm. a town called Danville when I was 10 and my brother and sister were eight. Um, So yeah, we had a really key part of our childhood growing up, pretty much all of elementary school over in France. And then my parents still live right now. I'm in Danville. So they're still here and they're in um, still in the same house that I grew up most of my middle school and high school experience in. Oh, awesome. That is really super cool. And I, I know that um I, I know that you and, and Dr. Rue connected um while while you were here at Cal Poly. And so now I see why, right? That uh, uh being a, a world traveler and, and living in a in another um another country, it just um it 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 changes you, I think, right? I mean, would you agree that it did? Yeah. I mean, I know it's probably hard looking back as um being so young, but it just seems like it becomes such a core part of your identity. No, I I don't think it's weird looking back on at all. I mean, it was a huge core part of my identity. We it's a completely different culture over there and um kids grow up completely differently than here in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um and so we were able to we actually went to a public there was no English speaking Um, people really in our community at the time. Uh Um, And we went to a public French school and we spoke French in our home because we were so young. There wasn't really like, it was basically my brother and sister's first language. I mean, they were four. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we were just so young that it was rooted into us. We 
I was very, very lucky. And my parents absolutely love to travel and they took us everywhere. And so traveling is a huge part of our identity and what we like to do as a family. So all of those cultural experiences had a huge impact on my life. Oh my goodness. I bet. I bet. So you said your, your dad's job took, took you over to, uh, took you over to, to France. Um, what, what, what did your mom and dad, what did your mom and dad do while you were growing up? Yeah. So growing up when I was younger, my dad was in sales and he managed large sales teams, large international sales teams. So we moved over to France for uh, a promotion that he had where he was general manager of a big billion dollar company and managed a big team in Europe. So when I was younger, my dad was on the road 24 seven. It wasn't uncommon that he was gone for three weeks out of a month. Um, so he did a ton of traveling and my mom was a stay at home mom. She took care of us. Um, she took, I did everything for us, everything around the house, as you can imagine with my dad being gone three weeks out of every month, there was a ton for her to do. Um, So she was awesome. Personal chauffeur, um, and just such a supportive, incredible mom. And then when we moved back to France, my dad took a little bit of time off. He had kind of reached his exhaustion point Uh with all that travel and just the amount that he was working. And then he started his own consulting company and did executive coaching for a while. And now he's kind of back into the startup space and working. He's worked across a variety of startups in the last couple of years. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, managing some startup organizations. So right yeah, it's really fun to see his career. My mom has always been kind of like the support system and rock of the home. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they've they've just been great to grow up with and see Love their that. energy, passion and drive. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Well, and we share that in common. My mom, my mom was a stay at home mom as well. And uh, uh, it's it, like she she always said, it's a full time job. You you got you all keep me hopping. Yeah, I imagine those two twins kept her, uh, you know, you had, she had three very <laughs> close in age there. Huh? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's give a shout out to the twins, uh, brother and sister. Uh, what What are they up to now? Yeah. So my younger sister, Sierra, she um, went to the University of Georgia and she's actually stayed over in Athens, Georgia. And so she works as a clinical research associate Uh um, at a pharmaceutical company over there. Uh And then my brother actually just graduated from the University of Utah and he's coming down to join me in San Diego. So He's oh. actually moving down next weekend. And no way. that's cool. No, so soon. We're happy to have him down in SoCal. And right. he's going to be doing um, recruitment at a company called Insight Global. Okay, right on. Yeah. I've heard of Insight Global, of course. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that's cool. A connection there with Dr. Roos, you know, and 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 uh and Dr. Hendricks, uh both Utah grads. Oh, yes. Um, and and Dr. That. Schwab as well. Dr. Schwab's right. a Utah grad too. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that you connection. Uh, that, that's all. That's awesome. That. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about um, a little bit about what you were like growing up. You've you, you've talked about travel and and living in a, in another country. What was your um, you know, as you started to get up into the high school years, what what was your jam? What was your identity? Where were, were you into drama, arts, sports? What what was? What yeah. Was so as you can imagine, with my parents, just like doing something like up and moving to Europe. We grew up just extremely active. Um, We were constantly trying new things, trying new sports. Um, I, growing up, pretty much did everything from ballet to karate to soccer to skiing. 
And then when I got into middle school, high school, I um, was kind of my sports were swimming and tennis. So I did a lot of that. Um, I coached our local swim team and was really involved in that community and was also really big into skiing. So my brother was really a big competitive skier. So we went up to Tahoe pretty much every single weekend uh, and did a lot of skiing. So that was a big part of my high school middle school and high school experience. And then outside of that, I was just really involved in the community, was part of leadership, um, a lot of local organizations, um, like I mentioned, the swim team. And I also, ever since I was young, had a huge drive to make money. So I was constantly working. I had like I worked for my dad's company was on when I was in middle school testing yeah. semiconductor products. Oh, um, no way. Like was constantly nannying, babysitting, um, uh-huh. lifeguarding, swim coaching, doing all of those kinds yeah. of things. I love it. I need mm. you to have a talk with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I don't know. I always just wanted to make money um, yeah. and was really, really pushed to do that. And uh-huh. also like I started a lot of nonprofits where mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So stuff like that. Cool. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. So let's talk about that transition to Cal Poly. Um, Obviously, like you said, we we do have a a pipeline uh, from the from the Bay Area, the Danville. (laughs) Big one. Yeah, we've had so many students from the Danville area and um and uh San Ramon uh Valley High School uh, yep. where, where you where you went to school and tell us um tell us though um what your unique story is just cuz we have a pipeline everybody has a unique story so tell yeah. us uh tell us that connection. Yeah, absolutely. So my parents both went to Cal Poly mm. um, and actually my aunt and uncle, nice. and pretty much all of our family friends growing up. My parents are still really close with all of their their friends from Cal Poly. So I definitely grew up um, hearing Cal Poly a lot and was right. actually, I would say, was kind of turned off by wanting to go to Cal Poly just because everyone, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go to Texas and I'm going to go uh-huh. somewhere different. But uh-huh. then um, I actually, when I was in middle school, one of my really close friends was in, at the time it was RPTA mm-hmm. um, at Cal Poly. And so I heard about what she was doing and had heard about her experience in that major. Yeah. And I was really drawn to the major itself and being in the event space. Yeah. And so I actually really early on was like, even though I've kind of grown up with this Cal Poly background and hearing Cal Poly all of the time. Right. This major sounds really interesting. So I applied to, um, I think really at the time it was pretty much just Cornell and Cal Poly that had the events um, kind of major experience. So I was really uh-huh. interested in those two spots because of that. Right. Yeah. And then as I got a little bit older on through high school, the fact that my parents went there was yeah. amazing and not yeah. a bad thing. So right. I Right. Those combination of things attracted me to Cal Poly and the major itself. Right. Well, and and like I just said, everyone has a unique story. And that is the first time that I've ever heard. Well, when I was in middle school, I had a friend who went to college. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like, no, I like very early on was like events sound really, really fun. And I yeah. think it, I would really like doing something like that. Love it. Um, so I suck at, like I was doing research on the major itself. Love it, and there's that that leadership connection that that we um 
that we've discovered through this podcast that so many of our former students were in leadership or ASB and in high school and, and planning events and that kind of you you get the bug you either get the bug or you or you don't get the bug um so let's talk yeah. about your your time um here at Cal Poly um I want to ask you first about a memory um you know we're we're jumping right into Cal Poly and I'm asking you about memories so is there is there one specific time or or people or experience that really stands out as something that you're like oh well when i think back to college this this is really the time that that stands out yeah i mean i think i was thinking back on this and i think really one of my favorite parts about cal poly was the friendships that i cultivated and the people that i met um and in that like i know we were talking about going up to Tahoe this weekend, I'm going with 16 of my closest friends and every single one of them went to Cal Poly, which oh, is kind of crazy. Awesome. Oh, that's um, so awesome. Yeah. And so that is really, really, I don't know, a huge part of what I loved about my experience there. And I'm so blessed to have met so many incredible people that continue to push me and motivate me. And just, mm -hmm. I really pride myself in the people that I surround myself with. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really cool that I met a lot of those people at Cal Poly. Yeah. But thinking back on how I met those people, yeah. um, my freshman year, we went and volunteered at the Wildflower Triathlon. Ah, and you're another I Wildflower like, gal, huh? Yeah. Oh, we always, we did that every year. And my, I met a lot of the people that I became really, really close with at that triathlon and that event, which is clearly just a really fun experience. And we were volunteers and we were cheering people on. Um, and being part of that experience was super fun. And I met a ton of really awesome people there that shaped the rest of my college experience. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a core memory and a really fun activity that that stood out to me while I was there. Yeah, I I absolutely love it, Nicole. But I, at the same time, it also scares me because we've lost Wildflower. And oh, really? Yeah, I talked to so many people on the podcast who say exactly what you just said about what an amazing experience Wildflower was and how they formed their lifelong friendships and and all of this. And and that goes back like so many yeah. years, you know, yeah. I mean, like there was at one point where we as a department were um were really super involved in, in running it. And, it, yeah. and it, it got to the point where it, that got a little bit too too right. tough but 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 obviously we were still funneling students to to volunteer there um but yeah you know um the lake uh the lake levels um got too, too low. low and so they had to cancel it a few years back and um so um but yeah, yeah. so we got to we've got to find something to replace it to be like that or that great experience oh. that students share together um bummer my dad was on the triathlon team at Cal Poly so he what? grew up doing wildflower and oh, i was cool. like well i'm not doing triathlons but i'll volunteer <laughs> but i'll volunteer yeah 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 um yeah. so now uh let's uh let's talk about the your time at cal poly in terms of professional development yep. and um 
obviously I know, I know what you, I know what you did and I know how involved you, you um, were during your time. And it, and it kind of now makes sense a little bit more too. you, you talking earlier about how involved you were with being a nanny and working and swim team and all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk about when you, when you look back, is there, is there a professional development experience um, besides Wildflower that Mm -hmm. really stands out as having launched you into your career? Yeah, I would say I, I mean, I just tried everything. I was involved in so much at Cal Poly. I don't think there's one single thing that was more than the other, but I think the cumulative effect of being involved in so many things. So, I mean, I took, I did internships. I worked at local wineries. I leveraged all the events that the um, major put on. I was vice president of Rofi Lambda. And so I was involved in that sense. And I think just, I mean, trying trying new things and being involved in so much. And I also held a lot of jobs when I was at Cal Poly too, even just look, working at local restaurants as a buster and a hostess. Uh-huh. I think all of those things added up uh, to my college experience and just understanding what I really like to do. I love it. I love it. Now let's talk about your internship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> our, our current students in particular are um, uh, love hearing about internships. And obviously, you know, you have that at the end, that 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 mm-hmm. final experience um, looming. Right. And um, mm-hmm. and some get really, really nervous about it. Um, but mm-hmm. but I have found that that our students are, are pretty adept at, at building up to it. And I know you were one who certainly did build up to it. So can you talk about that experience and what that was like and what yeah, you did? Yeah, absolutely. So my junior year, I was in Jen Prentice's experiential marketing class. Shout out, Jen. Noelle, I know she was, that was one of my, a really great class for me. And it sparked a lot of my interest and actually was very relevant to what I did in my internship and for the first three years after college. But mm-hmm. Noelle Feist from MindBody came and spoke at our class and um, let us know at the end that they were hiring an intern. This was in March um, of my junior year. And so I applied for the job right away. Jen Prentice gave me a great recommendation. And I started working part-time in March. And then that internship carried through the summer of my junior year. Um, at the end of the summer of my junior year, MindBody offered me um, a part-time role that was 20 hours a week until I was finished with college. So I worked 20 hours a week at MindBody my entire senior year yeah. um, as basically they were they were holding off um, hiring me full time so that I could finish my college experience. Yeah. And so my internship was a little bit different in the mm-hmm. sense that um, I just was working kind of already and used those hours towards my internship. Yeah, that's why I think it's so important to tell to tell stories like yours, right? Because um, uh, we, we have had students from time to time who have said, "Well, this internship is keeping me from getting a full time job." It's like, no, 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 don't make sure you yeah. pay attention in Dr. Rue's classes. Like, getting a full time job is the goal, so that full time job can count as your internship. And uh, and we try to be flexible along those lines. And um, you know, when when we were talking about your graduation date, Nicole, I think that's why I thought that you were like 2016 or so, yeah. because mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know you as well, and so I just knew you were working at Mind Body. People had said, "Yeah, Nicole is working." I'm like, "Oh, okay, she yeah. must be graduated. <laughs> she must yeah. have graduated, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I love that. Um, so 
let's talk about then getting that that full time job, right? So you're you're full time with Mind Body, obviously, um, an an incredible company. Um, you know, we owe so much to um, to the company being here in in Slow. It's it's yeah, such a absolutely. it's been such a great addition. I I remember when I first moved here, Nicole. One of the things that that really kind of troubled me was I looked around and I was like, what the heck? do people do here, you know? And um, and I was like, I just don't know about this place. I love it. It's beautiful. But like, what are people doing? And um, Mind Body has just, um, I, I think, really helped um the the area in terms of of being like a a corporation that that has employed so many people and has mm-hmm. helped to like um advance the startup community and and yeah. all of that and and made it seems like made San Luis Obispo a much more attractive place to 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 do business um so can you talk about what it was like um uh working for Mind Body and if if I'm not mistaken while you were there they were acquired right uh, we were acquired when I was there yep yeah yeah i mean working at Mind Body was great i so i went into Cal Poly thinking i wanted to do um, more social events like weddings and winery events. And I worked at a winery for a while, my freshman, sophomore, and part of junior year doing events. Yeah. Um, and learned that I didn't want to work weekends all the time. Yeah, and right. so I was stoked to be working at Mind Body in the corporate events space. And I had an incredible experience. I learned so much, was involved in so many different things. I eventually got to the point where I um, was running a lot of our of our corporate events. So we had um, a big conference and I ran the, we had little tours of that conference that went internationally and nationally. And so I ran that program as well as our corporate wellness event program um, and some other programs that we were doing as well. So I got so much experience working cross-functionally with events in general. There's coordination involved there's mm-hmm. um i was doing sales with sponsorship sales and mm-hmm. sold a million dollars in sponsorship revenue so i mean i learned so much and grew really really quickly in my roles at mind body so right. it was an amazing organization to be a part of i stayed in san luis obispo for almost a year and a half after graduation yeah and then um this was kind of before the remote environment but yeah. Um, I pushed to transfer down to San Diego because I wanted to try something new. Mm -hmm. And we had a small office down in San Diego. At the time, it was kind of a big deal because my team wasn't in San Diego. They were all in San Luis Obispo. Um, So made that happen and, and got myself down to San Diego as well. That's awesome. So let's um really quickly talk about this. I think this is an important one to highlight, right? Um, so obviously people who are who live in San Luis Obispo know what Mind Body does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder if you could tell us um in the context of explaining what Mind Body does, um, explain to our listeners who may not be familiar, um why it is that experiential marketing has um has taken off so much yeah. in the in the corporate space right mm-hmm. and, and and why it has ultimately opened up the world of of all organizations to to what we do and what we thrive upon with with experience design events and 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 that sort of thing yeah absolutely so at MindBody is a software company for the wellness space. So 
Um, it runs, it's a business management software that runs, um, for example, like Orange Theory Fitness or Core Power Yoga. Um, those are really common, common ones that are on mind body. Mm-hmm. And the experience part of mind body was a really big strategy marketing strategy at the organization. So within our events team, we did trade shows. We hosted our own big event. So it was a three-day event called Bold the Mind Body Conference, which is a user conference. Mm-hmm. And we had over 2,000 attendees attend. We had big keynote speakers. Michelle Obama was a keynote speaker one year. Um, and it was a really great opportunity for our clients, customers, and partners to all get together, um, learn about trends in the industry, learn about best practices, learn about how they can better leverage the software, um, and ultimately grow their business. So it was a huge part and a huge part of our budget on the marketing team at MindBody. And yeah, it was just, it's a huge part of marketing strategy across big um, tech companies in general. Yeah, love it. Love it. Thanks. And that, that's a great explanation there. Appreciate that. So, so now let's talk about uh, your, your current position um, at uh, Rocket Fuel Labs. And um, I was, uh, I told you beforehand that I was talking to Dr. Hendricks in the, um, in, in the hallway and, and, um, and I told him he knew that you were working for Rocket Fuel Labs, but um, like me, um, he, or like me two days ago, um, yeah. he had not done any research on what Rocket Fuel Labs does. And I explained it to him. He was like, oh, great. That's really cool. Um, so so first of all, explain to our listeners what Rocket Fuel Labs is, because the name um, it makes you makes you think it's something that it's not. Um, but then once you explain it or once you hear about it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's awesome. What a clever name. Um, so, so talk about that and then we'll get into your positions. Yeah, that sounds great. So Rocket Fuel Labs is a, we, we are a B2B agency pretty much where we have a little bit of differences from your typical marketing agency. Um, that is a chief marketing officer as a service company for startup organizations in the tech space. So we come in for early stage startups and we basically act as their marketing team. Mm -hmm. So most of the companies that we're working with, um, they're so early stage that they probably have a good sales organization, but they have yet to hire um, people to their marketing team, or maybe they have one marketing manager. So we come in and we help drive leads to their organization. Um, so we do everything. We're primarily focused on digital marketing. So we do a lot of paid advertising. We do a lot of content production, um, ultimately with the goal to find the strategy that makes the most sense to help scale the businesses that we support. So Rocket Fuel Labs was founded in 2020 by Amanda Patterson, who was the old chief marketing officer at MindBody. Oh, cool. Yeah. So... um, she was brought on to Rocket Fuel. She was recruited by a man named Michael Loeb, who owns Loeb.nyc, and he's a serial entrepreneur. Um, he was the founder of Priceline, which sold wow. to Time Warner magazine for over a billion dollars. And that's kind of how he made his initial money. Uh-huh. And his vision behind Rocket Fuel 
was to be the demand generation engine for his portfolio of businesses. So we're part of Loeb.nyc. We're a Loeb company. Uh um, And originally that was the vision to support the 30 plus companies within the Loeb portfolio. Since in the last two and a half years, we've completely outgrown that. We Ah. support a bunch of companies outside of the organization um, and we're continuing to grow in that way. Very cool. Yeah, that's what that's a little bit about what we do. And very cool. Yeah. Well, that sounds like just a, a an awesome place to to grow and learn and be exciting, uh, be excited by an awesome ride, a, a ride upwards uh, like rocket fuel, right? And uh, so yeah. that's uh, I love that. So let's talk about your your day to day. So director of account strategy. Um, now, obviously, I always give the caveat that uh, people in our industry, there really is no day to day. And um, but but I think it's important to give um, to give students and, and young professionals at least a glimpse into the types of things that you're doing. So uh, um, with with that caveat of there not being any any typical day to day, what's your what's your job like? Yeah, so I think it's important to kind of start out at the at the start because it explains the amount of hats that I wear. Yeah. And so Amanda, so mind body in 2020, the pandemic hit and I was actually traveling from Australia when this all happened for an event that I was hosting in Australia for mind body. And the week after we got shut down and mind body laid off pretty much their entire marketing department. Um, clearly the company was hit really hard with the space that it's serving being a lot of in-person, um, fitness activities and wellness activities where all those places were shut down. So the day I got laid off, I saw Amanda post on LinkedIn that she was hiring her first position for the company that she was starting. So stars very much aligning. I reached out right away and told her about the layoffs and pretty much started working at Rocket Fuel the next day. I love it. What great timing. That's yeah. Awesome. So I was hired as um, the second employee outside of our CEO at Rocket Fuel mm-hmm. and started off as an account manager was then grew to a senior account manager. And now I manage our team of account managers. Mm -hmm. So our company has scaled. When we started, there was just Amanda and myself. Mm -hmm. And um, now that we have 14 full-time employees, we started off serving just one client. And as of yesterday, we now have 13 clients. So I'm responsible for the strategy of our clients and ensuring my team is successful and has everything they need to do to manage those clients as well. Right. So a little bit of my day to day, I'm in Zoom calls pretty much all day. I was going to say a lot of Zoom calls, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A lot of Zoom calls, whether they be client facing or internal Mm -hmm. huddles or one-on-one conversations with my team members. Um, or I also do a lot of recruiting for our company too. So a lot of recruiting, um, as well, cause we continue to grow and scale. So, um, yeah, we have 12 clients. Every single one of our clients has a weekly check-in. Um, so that makes, that takes up a lot of my time ensuring those are successful and things are going well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also just constantly thinking about client strategy and doing a lot of project management with campaigns. Um, and making sure those things get done as well. So yeah, I mean, I'm in most days. I'm in eight Zoom meetings a day. Right, right, so, right, right. A lot of calls. 
So, so let's talk about like your experience, um, obviously in, in building, in building your portfolio in terms of events and experiential marketing and those sorts of skills. Let's talk about what, um, those skills transferring into project management. Have you seen, um, have you seen those benefiting you? Oh, absolutely. At MindBody, I worked with a creative department. Um, and so I was really, and I also managed marketing our events. So um, it was a really key part of my job at MindBody was getting registrations to our events. And I did so by creating smart marketing campaigns that drove registrations. So through email, through content, through social, through paid advertising, um, through video, those were all channels and marketing efforts that I managed at MindBody to yeah. drive registrations to our events. Now I'm basically doing the same thing, but rather than driving registration to events, I'm driving leads to our sales organizations at the yeah. companies that we support. Um, I love it. I love yeah. it. So, so it completely set me up and gave yeah. me a ton of experience working with creatives and managing uh, project managing marketing campaigns. Right. Right. And, and, you know, you were, you were here when we, when we made the transition to experience industry mm -hmm. management. And, um, and so I wonder if you can um, reflect a, a little bit on what you see um, out in the working, out in the working world and, and out in the startup space and what, what you're, what you in working with these companies. Um, do, it, it feels like experience design, design thinking, co-creation of experiences. It seems like, and you know, I, when I look back on all of the things that we went through, Nicole, to get to, to this point, um, um, I really can't imagine it working out any better because every single I feel like every single alumni, whether they're from the 1980s or, you know, 2020, when I talk to them, the things that seem to, to, to bubble to the surface are the experience design, design thinking, co-creation of experiences just seems like it's setting up our graduates to, to, to be able to, to do things, um, and be successful with those, with those elements. Um, would you, what's, what's your... I, I know that wasn't a question. That was like oh, a, yeah. a soliloquy, but uh, <laughs> but would would you agree there? What are you seeing? I mean, absolutely. I think just Cal Poly in general gave us so much hands-on experience um, that really set us up for success in the the real world per se. Yeah. Um, but I think the transition to the new title of our major. Um, had a, I mean, it has a huge impact and it's much or it's very transferable to the space that I'm in now. And um, yeah, I mean, I especially like kind of everyone I like to hire on my team so that we are very well rounded in our areas of specialty. So mine um, trade shows, events, um, that's kind of an area where I know a lot about from my experience. Um, mm -hmm. Some people on my team absolutely love paid advertising. Some people are huge SEO experts. Um, some are great content production people. And the experience side um, and my background at Cal Poly and then at MindBody um, is just an additional facet to bring to our team. So some, yeah. we're doing trade shows for some of our clients. So um, I have a lot of experience with that. We do a lot of VIP corporate events. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the transition is very relevant 
and a lot of the tangible things that I learned at Cal Poly, I'm definitely leveraging in my day-to-day today. I love it. I love it. So when you look out, when you, when you look out into the future, right, and think about um, the, the challenges and the opportunities in this um, post or semi-post uh, pandemic world, I guess I, I keep saying post-pandemic. And then every time I open the like, paper or the phone, they're Current like, oh, pandemic. California's <laughs> surging. I'm like, OK. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but when you think about the future and, and um, you know, obviously you were one that um, experienced some hardship and getting laid off. But then the next day, the opportunities, uh, an, an opportunity came to you and, and, um, and you've thrived in that. But when you think about um business and 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 um and the space that you're in in terms of startups and and what do you what do you see as challenges and opportunities for the future moving out of this pandemic yeah i mean i think right now clearly there's a lot of talks about the economy and um our clients are all startups so they're raising money and the work that we're doing today is ensuring that they're able to raise money. So we need to scale their lead generation efforts in a cost-effective, smart way and prove to their investors that there's demand for their product um, and that we can acquire customers for a a cost per acquisition um, that makes sense for the lifetime value of the customer. So for us right now, Um, as a company, our biggest challenge is that our customers are facing a lot of pressure um, for raising money. And so there's a a lot of pressure on them. And our main points of contacts are CEOs um, at the companies that we support. So we're very intertwined with how they're feeling and the pressure that they're facing in order to be able to do so. So I think our biggest challenge is just the economy right now and setting our customers up for success mm-hmm. so that they're able to go out and raise money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And working with companies that have a product that is going to make it um, because there's a lot more more pressure right now in the investment space to invest in products that really, I don't know, investments are happening happening less loosely than they have been in the last two years. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> that that certainly makes sense. Now let let's talk about it from a more personal uh, personal level or individual level from as a professional. If you can um, if you can look back and tell young Nicole, give young Nicole some advice. Uh, let's say you were a junior in college and look back to your junior year or so. What what advice would you give to to young Nicole? I would say. I've put a lot of pressure on myself to be extremely successful mm. and to be show up and be the best version of myself every day. Mm-hmm. I think what I would tell myself, and um, my CEO constantly reminds me of this, is mm-hmm. to not take things too seriously. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's really important to show up and show up with positivity and make those around you feel good and be happy to be around you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ultimately what I'm doing personally, it's it's not brain surgery. Yeah. I'm marketing. And so just to remember that and not, mm-hmm. not take things too seriously and not be too hard on myself because mm-hmm. being happy is what's most important and what is going to make me successful. So just keeping that in mind, and it's something that I personally remind myself every day, 
It's like, right. hey, if something goes wrong, we're marketing. It's ultimately everything we do is a research project. So it's another learning on the research project that we have going on right now if something right. goes wrong. And it's just going to set us up for more success in the future. Later on down the line. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm detecting notes of perfectionism. You're you're a perfectionist, I think, right? Uh, I yeah. I share I share that with you, and um, and I have to catch myself at times. And uh, there there's times where I'll I'll explain to someone like what it is that that happened that like is like this enormous thing in my life that I'm freaking out about. And then as I'm explaining it to them, I'm like, oh yeah. That's really not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wanted it all to go perfect, right? You know? 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I think that's, I think that is, is great advice. And um, just, uh, just want to say thank you so much for spending time with us to, uh, today. You're, you're on vacation and talking to, talking to us and um, just, uh, just want to thank you again for, for your time. Of course. It was so great to catch up with you and spend time with you. And I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. See you, Nicole.